Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. A lovely late summer day here in Seattle. A little cooler now, which is nice for the dogs. Always easier, and I can relax a little bit about dogs being left in hot cars. It just haunts me. And, you know, a lot of people share this. They're like the dog lovers are like, oh, no, it's hot out. Did I just hear a dog bark in a car? No. So it's nice because the weather's cooler. It's supposed to be nice and sunny. I mean, we're supposed to have nice weather. Today's a little overcast. But the Vashon Sheepdog Trials are this weekend. So exciting. This is one of my favorite events every year. And last week um, I interviewed Bill Burhow. Had an awesome conversation with him. If you missed that show, I'm telling you, go and listen to it in the archives. I think it was episode number 285. Um, Bill Burhow, he's one of the sort of highlighted um, competitors this year at the Vashon Sheepdog Classic. He's a uh, a champion of many trials, many other trials, and he was the winner of the Soldier Hollow Classic, which was the trial that was featured in the documentary called Away to Me, which is about sheep herding and trialing with dogs. Bill and I had an awesome conversation. Definitely check out those. Um, check that out in the archives. And I'm also posting all of our um, episodes on our Facebook page now as well through SoundCloud. So there's even more ways to listen to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes in addition to being live every Wednesday at 2 here on Alternative Talk. AM 1150, we're on iTunes as a free podcast. All the shows are archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, which is where you can go to find links and other information about our guests, as well as all of the podcasts archived. So iTunes, the website, dogradioshow.com, SoundCloud, um, on our Facebook page. So if you're on Facebook and have not liked The Dog Show with Julie Forbes yet, do so and uh, become a part of the conversation between our live shows. So, Vashon Sheepdog Trials, this weekend, August 22nd through the 25th. It's actually four days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, Monday's going to be novice runners, um, dogs and handlers. Um, Otherwise, uh, the other three days will be normal competition. And the website is VashonSheepdogClassic.com to find out more information. I will be there on August 23rd, which is Saturday, from about noon to 7 Um, noon until the end. So um, I'm inviting anybody who wants to come and watch with me to join us. We've got a group of listeners and um, colleagues and clients and friends and all sorts of people through the radio show who will be coming and uh, watching with us on Saturday. So if you're inclined to come out then, just look for the orange and blue balloons and a bunch of people wearing dog show stickers on their clothing and that will be us and um, you can come and hang out and there's so much going on at this it's such a great event there's live music this year on saturday night Um, also saturday evening there's going to be a panel discussion and this is something that they're doing for the first time this year uh, with several of the handlers and competitors from the competition they'll be available to answer questions from the audience and answer questions from me since I'm the one leading it, which I'm really excited about. There'll be a beer garden this year. That's also new. Uh, Vendors, as always, local food and artists, um, demonstrations. It's such a great event. Highly recommend it. 
you're welcome to bring your dog if your dog does well and in crowds and around other dogs and stuff like that. Um, you can certainly bring your dog to this event, and it's on Vashon Island this weekend. And like I said, I'll be there August 23rd, so please come and watch with us. VashonSheepDogClassic.com I have uh, well, just lots of events coming up. Um, I'm emceeing for Puget Sound Dock Dogs. Love those guys. They are a blast. And the um, if you haven't ever seen dock dogs compete, it's dogs that jump off of a dock into a pool of water and they do like a long jump where they measure how far the dog jumps and then they also do a high jump version where they measure how high the dog jumps. And um, it's a blast and um, they've asked me to MC again this year, which I'm thrilled about. So I've got two events for them coming up. The first one is September 6th and this is for the Skagit River Salmon Festival, which is at the Waterfront Park at Swinomish Casino and Lodge. And uh, the website for that is SkagitRiverFest.org. And I'll post this on our Facebook page and on our homepage as well, DogRadioShow.com. That's September 6th from 11 to 6 is the um, event, Skagit River Salmon Festival. Be sure to uh, find Puget Sound Dock Dogs. That event will be a fundraiser for Chase Away Canine Cancer. They do a lot of great work on cancer research um, for dogs. So... Check that out. And then also another salmon festival, Issaquah Salmon Days, which is October 4th and 5th this year in Issaquah, Washington, which is just east of Seattle. From 10 to 6, both days, Puget Sound Dock Dogs will be there strutting their stuff and jumping off the docks. And I'll be there emceeing and having a blast with them. It's so fun. Come by and say hi. The website for Issaquah Salmon Days is salmondays.org. Two more. Tons of events, I told you. I have a talk coming up. This is the first one that I've done in probably a couple years. I'm really excited. I'm giving a talk at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland, and it's titled The Art of Nonverbal Communication. Thursday, October 23rd in Kirkland at 7 p.m. I'm going to be talking about dogs, being an authentic leader, and the art of nonverbal communication and I'm excited about this talk. Uh, this one is uh, similar to the talk, um, similar in the sense that I gave a talk at the Northwest Women's Show a couple years ago through the station. And this talk will also be geared specifically towards women. Um, everybody's welcome, uh, but it'll be especially sensitive to um, women in the topics of being an authentic leader and the art of nonverbal communication with your dog. So... Um, Definitely come. You have. Um, we do recommend you RSVP for this. There's no cost to this event. This is free, um, but it's probably going to fill up. So we do want you to RSVP and just let us know that you do want a spot reserved for you. 7 p.m. Thursday, October 23rd, my talk at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland, The Art of Nonverbal Communication. Here's how you RSVP. You can either email randy at naturalpetpantry.com and that's R-A-N-D-I at naturalpetpantry.com. Or you can call their Kirkland store, 425-739-4738. And I will post information about this regularly on the website and especially our Facebook page. So that's another way to find out info about that. And save the date, Eric, 300th episode party of The Dog Show, November 22nd. 
Saturday. Mark your calendar. Just save the date. It's Saturday night. I've got a DJ that's going to be there. There might be a little bit of dancing that happens. We're going to have wine available and refreshments and all sorts of games and prizes. It's just a, a celebration of our 300th episode and really a fan appreciation evening. So we're just going to be hooking it up. Very cool. Yep. Well, I'll put that in my smartphone right now. All right. November 22nd, Saturday at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland as well. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I will be talking today with Kevin Chase, who's the director of operations of an excellent organization called the Beagle Freedom Project. The Beagle Freedom Project is a mission to rescue beagles used in animal experimentation in research laboratories and give them a chance at life in a loving forever home. They do excellent work. There's a whole lot to talk about on this topic, and we're going to be back in just a few minutes with Kevin Chase of the Beagle Freedom Project. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. If I had my life to live over, I know just what I'd like to be. Pampered pet of a rich brunette sitting on my mama's knee. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S.-sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Burlingame Veterinary Consulting, we cover the world of living successfully with your animal friends. This week, August 24th, it's a Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. No guests, just me and open phone lines. So what's going on with your animal friends? Barking, biting, digging, pulling, howling, scratching, not using the litter box? Whatever it is, I can help. Give me a call on Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 11. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiancé said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com.
Negativity and fear, two staples of talk radio. Well, we figured we'd try something different. Alternative Talk, 1150. All right, welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And we are back with Kevin Chase, who's the Director of Operations of the Beagle Freedom Project. The Beagle Freedom Project is a mission to rescue beagles used in animal experimentation in research laboratories and give them a chance at life in a loving forever home. Kevin, welcome to The Dog Show. Thanks for having me, Julie. It's my pleasure. So we have a lot of ground to cover um, because you guys are up to a lot of great stuff, and this is a really important topic. Um, You know, and this is, I think, episode number 286 of this radio show. And this is the first show that I've done at all around um, animal testing. Um, so I'm really excited to get this information out to my audience and just raise awareness about this and hopefully send you guys some support as well. Um, so the Beagle Freedom Project. So you uh, primarily are a, sort of a rescue organization that places dogs that are released from laboratories who had been used for animal testing into homes. Is that correct? Yeah, Beagle Freedom Project started about three years ago by our founder, Shannon Keith, who's an attorney in Los Angeles, and she grew up in a, a home where her dad was a director and a movie maker, and so she also had some skills behind the camera. And she had a small nonprofit shelter rescue organization a couple of years ago, And the rescue organization was contacted by a laboratory that said, hey, we've got these two experimentally spent beagles. That's Mm. their words. And if we can't find a place for them, we're going to euthanize them. And Shannon obviously said, yes, of course I'll take them. So she went and picked up these two little beagles who had spent their entire lives in a lab. And with her camera, because she's in Hollywood, sat down and filmed opening the crate doors for these two dogs and documenting and videoing their first 20 minutes of freedom in life. Yeah. These were two dogs that had never been outside, never put a paw on a blade of grass, never smelled fresh air, seen the sunshine. And what she captured in those 20 minutes was just heart-wrenching. Mm. You know, they, they cautiously and curiously, with a lot of timidity, finally came out. And you could just see the worry and the anxiety on their face from all those years of deprivation began to melt away as they started to hop around and play with each other. This video went viral and caused Shannon to have this idea that this is one of the best tools we have to engage the public about a very controversial but a very important issue, and that issue is animal testing. Instead of just confronting the general public with undercover footage of you know, bloody dogs and tormented monkeys and cats. We wanted to engage the public in a really positive way. So that's why we rescue these dogs. Uh, We negotiate with the 383 laboratories in the United States that have over 65,000 dogs in them. Now, 96% of those 65,000 dogs are beagles. They're the breed of choice for research facilities precisely for the same reasons that they make great family members. Did you say 90%? 96%. 96% of the 65,000 dogs in laboratories in the U.S. are beagles. Wow. And they're the, they're the brief choice for researchers 
precisely for the same reasons you and I want to share our homes with them. They're gentle. They're people-pleasing. They're forgiving. They don't use Rottweilers and pit bulls for a reason. They pick on the vulnerable and the sweetie pies. And so in the last couple of years, we've managed to rescue hundreds of beagles and other dogs, and also pigs, rabbits, cats, ponies, fish, uh, even billy goats now, from laboratories all across the world in four countries and in 28 states. And we place them in homes, and we use the high-profile nature of these rescue operations to engage the public and talk about animal testing. Because we're not just a rescue organization, we also have a policy position that is opposing animal testing. And we feel one of the best ways to spark a public debate about this very important issue is to get people with the animals they empathize with the most. Okay. The dogs and cats they share their homes with. Okay, so I've got some questions for you. So where... Now, I just want to talk about animal testing because I think that people have like an idea of what exactly that is. But, but, you know, I actually was sort of impressed and surprised about what I learned or what I didn't know about animal testing and what kinds of products all do that. And I, you know, am in the industry and have the show and all that kind of stuff. So when we say, you know, there's 65,000 dogs in the U.S. that are that live in laboratories and are used for animal testing, is that in um, testing for household cleaners, cosmetics, drugs, um, medical research? You know, all the, all of those types of things and others and more. I'm sure. Yes, it's all of the above. These dogs are used in a host of research experiments um, to test things like Viagra or Botox, or a new component to a washing powder or a tanning lotion, or Splenda was tested on beagles. Um, They're also used to test various academic curiosities at American research or university research institutions. They're the breed of choice um, for a lot of toxicity testing. And during toxicity testing, they're slowly poisoned by a method called oral gavage. That's where a beagle is held off, and they take a long plastic tube, and they just crudely insert it all the way down his esophagus, and they pour a given substance into his stomach at various doses at various times a day to see how the dog reacts, how sick he gets, how long he takes to die. Yeah. And that's the picture of animal testing for a lot of dogs in this country. Mm, it's just um, now I'm curious because in science um, I've been I do a lot of um, interviews and promotions of a conference that happens. It's a new conference that's had its second year this summer called Sparks. And it's a lot of scientific research in the field of dog cognition and how dogs think. And everybody who attends these and speaks at these are are not doing tests in you know, using laboratory animals. They're using, you know, pet dogs that have homes who, you know, it's all very non-invasive and all that. And one of the things that they've talked about is that within the scientific community, it is now more widely accepted and agreed on that animals have emotions. Whereas, you know, a few decades ago, if not less than that, 
it was like, oh, no, you know, animals are robots that don't feel anything. And so we can do whatever we want to them. And and that that's really confronting right now because it's like, well, geez, if these these animals, not just dogs, but, you know, all animals are, you know, mice, rats, whatever they're using can suffer, do have emotion, do have, you know, awareness. And and um, I'm wondering if animal testing is generally is it on a decline or is it is it just as strong as ever or is it on the rise? What is your sense for that? It depends on the field of research. Um, Generally, for cosmetic and household products, it's on the decline. All of Europe, India, Israel, they've banned all cosmetic cosmetic testing on animals and product testing on animals. Um, In the U.S., it's in decline in certain fields, uh, but medical and pharmaceutical research, there is a there is an uptick in a certain number of animals. And unfortunately, in the United States, too, um, we're concerned about all animals at Beagle Freedom Project, even though we call ourselves Beagle Freedom Project. Um, we also care about the mice, the rats, and the birds. And in the United States of America, under the Animal Welfare Act, those aren't even classified as animals, so they don't have to be counted, and they're afforded no protection under the law for their humane care. So unfortunately, we don't have a lot of great statistics about exactly how many mice, rats, and birds are in U.S. laboratories because there is no accountability to having them um, quantified. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's just uh, so it's so important that, you know, we talk about what, you know, if you're sitting here listening to this and it's like, you know, the example that you gave is is horrific and unfortunately is one of many. And it's just not OK that we're doing this. It's just I mean, it makes me want to break something when I think about, you know, that we're doing this to these animals. And so we Darcy got my wife got um, all in all over this when I told her she started looking at the website, saw a couple of those videos that are on your website, which is BeagleFreedomProject.org of the beagles coming out of their crates for the, you know, stepping on grass for the first time and all this stuff. So she got your, uh, or the, the cruelty cutter app, which has been, um, getting, certainly getting some mileage (laughs) in our household. Everything that we've had in our house has been scanned. Um, and so what you can do is it's a, it's an app that you can get on your smartphone and you can actually scan the barcode of like a cleaner or, uh, shampoo or cosmetic or something like that, and it'll tell you if it's cruelty-free or not. And so our house has now been rid of um, any, you know, uh, dish soap, um, laundry detergents, or cosmetics, um, and have been replaced with those that are cruelty-free and that do not engage companies that do not animal test. And I think that's a really powerful thing for the general public to be aware of is where are you, you know, spending your money and not not purchasing, not supporting these companies that do this. So is the Cruelty Cutter app, is that through Beagle Freedom Project or is that separate? No, Beagle Freedom Project spent a lot of time and resources, two years to be precise, and we came out with a, with a smartphone app that has never existed before and wasn't on the market. Mm. And it's exactly what you say it is. It allows you to go in the store with your phone, scan the barcode of any shampoo, toothpaste, makeup, 
um, toilet cleaner, and it'll instantly tell you if that product was tested on animals or not, and then it allows you to take your protest activity one step further. If it was tested on animals, the app allows you to instantly send an email of protest or socially share on your Facebook or mm-hmm. your Twitter account that you will not buy this product, and here is the reason. Yep. Now, alternatively, alternatively, if the product is cruelty-free, you can give props and recognition to that company and socially share, hey, I just bought you know, Tom's Domain toothpaste because they don't test on animals, and that's how I roll. And it allows it to become a status symbol that you are a cruelty-free shopper, conscientious, and that's what we want. We want cruelty-free shopping to be easy mm-hmm. and something everybody wants to be connected to. And then importantly with this app on the back end, Beagle Freedom Project is getting some amazing analytics. Yeah. Because our goal is in six months to a year's time, we can go to the annual general meeting of Procter & Gamble or Maybelline or CoverGirl and present to them just from our smartphone data alone that they've lost millions of dollars in scans from our protest activity. And that if they're not going to listen to the ethical or the conscientious arguments about not using animals to test the new shade of flush, maybe they'll listen to their hurting bottom line. Yeah. Now, what is the, um, I've heard that one of the reasons why some of these companies do animal test is because it is required to sell in China? That is 100% the truth. And many companies that would otherwise be cruelty-free, like Avon, mm. are have, you know, they, they put a moratorium on testing, and they wouldn't do it anymore. They signed pledges. But because they didn't want to forego the Chinese market, they've chosen to, again, start uh, testing their products on animals in order to gain entry into that market. Now, we sympathize with any company not wanting to lose market share or opportunity, but we also sympathize with companies that have chosen to put their principles before profits and will not sell in China because they do not want to engage in animal testing. And so we have to side with them and make that classification that any company that still sells in China and obliges that animal testing policy cannot be considered cruelty-free. Mm. You know, it was surprising. We were, when we were first going through everything in our house with the Cruelty Cutter app, which now... So it looks like there's a link to download the app from your website, which is BeagleFreedomProject.org. Um, can people also go to like an um, app store or, you know, where yep. people, yeah, just you find it on iTunes. It's okay. called Cruelty Cutter and it's on iTunes. And the Android version is actually about to be released very soon. It's just finishing its beta testing. Great. So definitely get that. And I love that it's not only... Um, informing the consumer, but also enabling the consumer to make noise about, you know, like you said, it'll, it can automatically post to social media or it will automatically send a company an email like, hey, I see that your product tests on animals, so I'm not buying it. And, you know, that's really that noise is really important. So that's Absolutely. great. It's called yeah, the, the Cruelty app- Cutter, and uh, like I said, go to their website or to the um, App Store on iTunes, and soon for Androids as well, BeagleFreedomProject.org. So now you are—you've got a lot of stuff going on. You've got this this app that you've developed, and like you said, that's also giving you a lot of information. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention that is important too. 
we were really surprised as we were going through our household or like out at the store, assuming that, oh, this is a natural product, a natural company. They wouldn't test on animals. And, oh, we were, and then sort of the opposite. We were like, oh, I bet they test on animals. And they wouldn't. Like, um, I think Target, Target brand doesn't. Up up. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of like ones that we sort of assumed didn't did and ones that we assumed did didn't. And so it was really important to to go through that. Um, so you have a how many do you how many beagles or dogs, I should say, do you have um, in your organization right now, like in homes that that you've that you've rescued? Sure. We have rescued. I believe the number right now is about 228 dogs. Um, I believe 215 of them are beagles, representing that 96% of dogs in laboratories. Um, we have 228 dogs, about 40 rabbits, 10 ponies, um, 15 cats, 5 pigs, some goats, living in 30 states across the country where we've engaged, negotiated, and freed animals from laboratories. So you work directly with the laboratories and and ask them to release the dogs, like you said, that are experimentally spent to you rather than just euthanizing them, which seems like is what would happen otherwise. Euthanizing these animals is the standard procedure for any laboratory. And we engage the laboratories, and we tell them, we're up front, listen, we don't like animal testing. That is our politics. However, what Eagle Freedom Project is doing is attempting to find a common ground area where parties on both sides of this polarizing debate can get together and do something to help these animals. And that common ground is this, is that if these dogs and cats or these other animals are healthy and cannot be used in any other further research, and their dissection is not required for the research data, then there's no reason to summarily kill them. Mm-hmm. Let them have a chance to live a life, be pampered, sit on a couch, run outside, because after everything they've endured for our curiosities, for our products, for our drugs, they've earned that chance at freedom. And we've managed to convince a number of laboratories to engage us, even though they know we don't like what they do, mm-hmm. we're opposed to it principally, philosophically, and scientifically, but they'll still work with us because some of the folks in this laboratory, especially the low-level animal care technicians, the people in charge of feeding, yeah. cleaning the cages up, and walking the animals to and from the laboratory every day, they get to know these dogs over a course of sometimes five, six, seven years. And when the research study is finally over, they're gutted to think that these dogs are just going to be killed. And so they'll beg and plead with their management, their higher-ups, please let me in my spare time to come in on a weekend to help find these dogs home. Yeah. And then that employee reaches out to us, and we say, yep, we'll take them all. We'll come and pick them up. We'll pay for the veterinary care. And we have 5,000 applicants on a waiting list desperate to help one of these poor dogs. So that you that so you when you say that you mean you have 5000 people who are ready to take in a dog from one of these laboratories. 
Yep, in every state wow. in the country. Wow. That's, that's the way Beagle Freedom Project is able to be a national rescue organization. There are very few national rescue organizations, and it's because we have this really sophisticated, healthy, and vetted applicant database that we're constantly updating. So if a rescue happens tomorrow in Memphis, Tennessee, we can plug ourselves into it, find the 20 nearest homes, and see which homes can open up tomorrow to yeah. put a dog in it. Wow. I just can't. I just can't fathom how somebody could actually go through with some of these things and then, you know, be able to sleep at night. It just blows my mind. Um, There's an interesting psychology at play in many of these laboratories, Julie, as Shannon and I can both tell you, because we've toured many of them through our years of activism. And there is this disconnect between what they do to the animals in the labs and then how they treat their animals at home. You know, in the laboratories, the animals have no names. These deagles all have tattoos uh, inked in their ears, these numbers, their federal ID numbers. They're not allowed to be called a name. Yet you go to the desk of one of the researchers, one of the laboratory workers, and they have pictures of their own dogs lining up everywhere. It's this desensitization. They're trying not to see the animal as no different than the one they see at home. And it is our job at Beagle Freedom Project to give them names to say these animals are no different than the ones 60 million Americans share their homes with. Mm. And that's why this should be an issue we all care about. We should all be channeling our voices together to advocate for more funding of alternatives. So no dogs have to suffer like this. So how is, like with the example that you gave um, earlier, um, how is that, how are these dogs not protected I mean, you mentioned like the Animal Welfare Act, which, you know, doesn't consider other animals as animals in the in that law. But mm-hmm. but these are dogs. So are they somehow not do they somehow not benefit from the rights that dogs who are, you know, pets who live in homes? I mean, if somebody was caught doing that to their what you described to their dog at home, the dog would be taken away by animal control. You're absolutely right. No, animals in laboratories are not afforded the same rights and protections as family member animals. There's a big legal distinction and classification there. Animals in laboratories are protected by the Animal Welfare Act, and the Animal Welfare Act says they need certain access to food, water, um, you know, some sort of comfort, uh, pain management. But there's exemptions to all of that. These dogs can be deprived of food, water, and pain management if the research objective says that will interfere Mm. with the test. And oftentimes that is written into the test. that They can't be given anesthetics because, you know, it could dull the reaction they're trying to witness. Yeah. So you have some legislation that you're working on, the Beagle Freedom Bill. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that. Yeah, the Beagle Freedom Bill is a product of Beagle Freedom Project for a couple of years now. You know, we've been saving all these animals from laboratories, and we've saved a stunning number, considering this has never really been done before. Mm. But the 228 dogs we've rescued is really just a drop in the bucket when you consider that there are 65,000 dogs still in labs. And we even have a quote from one of the research institutions that opposed us, saying that they could be releasing... In just the East Coast alone, 1,200 dogs a month, but they won't. And the research institutions don't want to release these dogs 
for the same reasons we want to get them out. And that's because we want to tell their stories, remind mm. the public the true cost we all pay for the products that are tested on animals. And we want to get the public involved in petitioning for greater alternatives. And the research institutions don't want any extra scrutiny, and they certainly don't want criticism. So because we've been stymied and because there is no law saying that when a research project ends, that this dog should be given a right to be placed mm. in a home mm-hmm. if a home exists. Mm-hmm. There is no, there's a deficiency at law that does not address what happens at the end of research if a dog is healthy and adoptable. Mm-hmm. And so we drew together a policy proposal that should cover this. And it's pretty simple. If you are a research institution and you take taxpayer money, because maybe you're a university, when that research project is over, if you have dogs and cats, that need not be used in any other projects and do not have to be euthanized at the end for the research objective, then the very least you have to do is pick up a phone and call your local charitable animal rescue organization and ask them if they can take them and put them in a home. Mm -hmm. This isn't controversial. This is the bare minimum, the baseline standard that these animals deserve. And we've sponsored this legislation in Minnesota, California, and New York. And in 2014, we made history. We passed this law in Minnesota, and it became the first political entity in the world to recognize that these dogs and cats have a value and a worth beyond that of just being a research subject. Mm. It's such a uh, such a shadow side of this. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I have this whole show about you know, dogs and in especially in the U.S. and life with dogs, you know, um, not, you know, from my perspective, which is that they, you know, all animals deserve rights and to be treated with respect and not tortured in laboratories and stuff like that. Um, and this is a country that loves their dogs. I mean, you know, we we love dogs. It's all over social media, you know, dog, cute dog and cat videos that go all over the place because they're doing something cute and they go viral. And then yet we have this shadow side of, you know, within the same country where we're torturing animals for, you know, you know, to, to test cosmetics or whatever so that the product can be sold in China or whatever the reason is. And it's just such a contradiction. That's why we do these rescues, is to engage the public and provoke this conversation. And nine times out of ten, Julie, the average person on the street, when we tell them, because, you know, I have two of these dogs, have Junior and Raymond, both are former research beagles. And when I tell somebody on the street where Raymond came from, and I flip back his ear and they see that tattoo, the look on their face is mm-hmm. shocked. Mm-hmm. Every one of them to a T will say, they don't still do that, do they? Yeah. I thought that was banned. No I thought it was over. And I tell them, nope, there's 65,000 dogs exactly like Raymond right now. And laboratories all around us, they're shot. And that's the reason we tell the stories. These, these beagles, these little dogs, they can do more to change the heart of a person on this topic with a simple wag of their tail mm. than I can do with my best words. Right. You know, they're living survivors and reminders. They're our little ambassadors. So do you notice after the, um, what did you say, 286, I think, 
dogs that you that Beagle Freedom Project has has taken in and and rehomed. Um, what do you notice about how these dogs? I mean, I assume a lot of them have been in the laboratory setting their you know entire life, and it's probably been in in some cases several years. And and then, you know, like you said, there's this uh, there's video footage, which is really powerful to watch on their website, BeagleFreedomProject.org of these dogs, you know, with the kennel door opening on onto grass and they've never walked on grass before in their entire life. And you see these dogs just sort of tentatively taking their first steps into freedom and then, you know, down, you know, fast forward and they're running around and playing and. What do you notice of from how do these dogs handle this this transition? I mean, are some of them really where it takes them where they're really traumatized? Um, or you probably see it kind of across the board or are they for the most part just like moving forward? What do you notice? That's a great question. There are some general trends, but dogs are like people. You know, they're emotionally complex creatures. Mm-hmm. And they all have little differences, and they all adjust to freedom and deal with their past traumas in different ways. But generally what we see is it's 50-50, and it depends really on the length of time these animals have spent in the lab. Anywhere from one to three years, and we release these animals, and first of all, all the dogs have never been free before. They're commercially bred at specific breeders just to sell the laboratories. Well, that was one of my questions, is where are they getting all of these dogs from? And they're actually specifically bred to supply the the laboratory, like the industry of experiment. I mean, yeah. It's a big business. There's about four large breeding facilities in the United States that supply most of the dogs to the laboratories. I'm sure those conditions are great, too. Yeah, they're they're really deplorable. Yeah. But um so these dogs have really never they've never had a home life. They've always been indoors and they go from a breeding facility indoors by a plane or cargo truck to a laboratory where they're kept in a you know, usually the labs for dogs are in basements, concrete floors, cinder block walls, fluorescent lights overhead. All they have around them is stainless steel cages with metal slated floors, and it's echoey. They can hear the other dogs barking and making noise and clanging around. Mm -hmm. They hear doors shutting. This is their world from years on end. And when we let them go, those dogs that have been in there for one to three years, you know, they're a little nervous. They don't know what to make of you. But as soon as you're affectionate towards them, they are little love sponges. Mm. They want to be on your lap. They just want to be hugged. They want to run around. They want to be goofy. But some of those dogs that we've gotten out of labs that have been in there seven, eight, nine, even ten years, Mm. it takes them a little longer to get over that trauma. Mm -hmm. They don't trust strangers so quickly. Even to this day, we rescued one dog, Abe, about a year and a half ago. And even to this day, you know, if you don't know him and he doesn't know you, he's not going to come up to you and sniff you. He's going to watch you from afar. And he may never get over that distrust. Yeah because of the violence his little body suffered. Yeah. But when he's with his family and he's in his backyard, he is just a normal little dog. He mm. likes to run around with the ball. He likes to sleep on the couch with his dad. You know, and that's the, that's the life he deserves. That's the happy ending he and all these other, other, these other laboratory beagles deserve. Yeah. 
So what is there to do? So we we were just really, you know, inspired to get the Cruelty Cutter app, go through our house, rid it of anything that uh, was animal tested, and then, you know, find replacements of from companies that don't animal test so that, uh, you know, brands that are cruelty free. So there's purchase power and, and through the cruelty cutter app, because then that will automatically make noise about it either on social media or it'll send the company an email or something like that. So it's great to keep doing that. And then also giving you guys, like you said, the analytics and data that it'll give you. Um, What else can people do to, you know, they can get on, join the list of, 5,000 people who are ready at a moment's notice to open their home to a dog that might become available anywhere in the country. Um, There's a host of things people can do. One is just like you said, you know, be a cruelty-free shopper. That is the first thing, and it is the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. In the modern 21st century America, there is no excuse for you to have a toothpaste that was tested on an animal. I haven't used a toothpaste tested on animals in 20 years, or wash my hair with the shampoo, tested on animals in 20 years, and I have pearly white teeth and nice shiny hair. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. Nobody needs products tested on animals. Right. So first things first, be a cruelty-free shopper. Secondly is the outreach. Yeah. This is why we rescue these dogs. If you're compelled by this interview or you've been to the website and seen one of these videos, socially share that video. Mm. Talk to a friend about it. Inform your acquaintances because most People don't realize this is still happening, and the best way to end it is to boycott it. And the third thing is exactly what you just said after that. Get on our list. Be an applicant to foster or adopt. The only way Beagle Freedom Project exists and can say to a laboratory in Missouri or Colorado or Georgia that we will take all their dogs in 24 hours notice, just give them the chance, is if we have you in our corner, ready to go to open up your homes and your hearts to help. Mm. So go to BeagleFreedomProject.org and apply to a foster or adopt. And then one of the other things, obviously, and I have to shill for this because we are a nonprofit organization and we are funded completely on the donations of others, Mm. is we could always use a tax-deductible contribution to continue this work. Mm-hmm. So we can save animal lives, change human lives, and enact legislation and public policy that's going to help more animals and spark more debate about bringing this all to an end. Mm. At Beagle Freedom Project, we always like to put out there, we put out the happy stories. We're not putting out blood and guts and gore. We're putting out stories of survival. It's heartwarming and it's heart-wrenching. And we do this because we want to end animal testing. We're not anti-science. We're not anti-product testing. We're not anti-medicine. We just don't believe that the animal models are appropriate ethically or scientifically. And the more we can have an open dialogue about that, the more progress we'll make as a society. Yeah. Well, the website, again, is BeagleFreedomProject.org. As Kevin just shared, there's lots of ways to get involved and support the cause and support the organization with the Cruelty Cutter app, with getting on their list and becoming a uh, foster or adoptive home for Beagle that might become available in your area. Um, I do have a question. Do these dogs 
tend to be friendly with other dogs. I see a lot of videos where they're all running around together and they're all happy. Um, so I think a concern might be for someone who's listening, well, I already have, you know, one or two dogs. Are these dogs typically friendly with other dogs? Would it be, is it something where they can, yeah. Yeah, that is a great question. And I'm glad you brought that up. When we do fosters for these dogs coming out of labs, we almost always universally seek and prioritize those homes that have other dogs already in them. Because when we place one of these laboratory beagles in a home, they love and they immediately bond with the other dog. Even if they're fearful of the person, they love other dogs. And that other dog in the home acts as their mentor, showing them, you know, this is how we eat out of a bowl. It's okay when there's a leash on us and we go for a walk. This is where you pee. They learn so much quicker, quicker about how to be a free, normal, healthy, you know, adjusted dog by having another dog with them. You know, beagles are a friendly breed. They're not fighters. They're great with kids, with cats, with people, and other dogs. Great. Well, again, BeagleFreedomProject.org is the website, and uh, you guys are just doing such awesome work. And, you know, like you said, there's I'm just sharing right now a video of beagles rescued from lab testing who see sunshine for the first time. There's a lot of really moving footage that you have uh, to really help people connect with how important this is and the reality of animal testing in this country and then, um, you know, also educating people on how to support you guys in your efforts. So um, thanks so much for the work that you do, and I look forward to seeing all the great stuff that you do in the future. Thanks so much, Julie. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you today. You're welcome. Okay, so that's BeagleFreedomProject.org. Again, is their website. I'm going to post links to them on our Facebook page and on our homepage, which is DogRadioShow.com. And this interview will also be posted online so you can share the interview with your friends and community and just really make some noise about this and get people educated. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and just uh, recap the events, all the events that I have coming up in the near future. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiancé said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options, 
to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Alternative Talk, 1150. Got it? Cool. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Important interview that we just had with Beagle Freedom Project. If you missed any part of it, you can find it archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, as a free podcast on iTunes. And I'll also post a link to it on our Facebook page. Just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes and become a fan. Oh, just such great work that they're doing and so important uh, that people do learn about animal testing and um, how to get these guys out of there and into homes. All right. I've got a bunch of events coming up that I just wanted to um, talk about again here in the last few minutes of the show. This weekend, August 22nd through the 25th, Vashon Sheepdog Classic. Sheepdog trials, so border collies mostly, herding sheep all day long. Uh, So it's 10 minutes. Each dog has 10 minutes to go, and they do rotate the sheep, so don't worry. They've got a huge herd or whatever of sheep, and they do rotate them through. Um, and there's live music, there's, uh, vendors, local food, uh, artists with their work on display, demonstrations, um, a beer garden this year and a panel discussion, which I will be leading at the end of the day on Saturday. I'm going to be there all day, Saturday, August 23rd, Vashon Sheepdog Classic.com. I'm sorry, is the website. I'll be there noon to 7 p.m., Come and watch with me. Look for the blue and orange balloons and a group of people wearing dog show car stickers on their clothes and have a blast with us watching the Sheepdog Trials. And if you have any questions about what's going on, I can help answer them for you. So do check that out. Um, It's going on all weekend, though, so if you can't go on Saturday, that's okay. Um, But that's the day that I'll be here, and I'd love to see you. Also, Skagit River Salmon Festival, September 6th, 11 to 6 p.m. I'll be emceeing for Puget Sound Dock Dogs. Also, the Issaquah Salmon Days, which is October 4th and 5th from 10 to 6. I'll be emceeing for Puget Sound Dock Dogs. I have a talk that I'm giving on October 23rd, which is a Thursday evening, The Art of Nonverbal Communication, discussion about dogs, women, being an authentic leader, and the art of nonverbal communication. Clear communication is key to successful relationships, both two- and four-legged. That's a free talk. You can RSVP. And email Randy, R-A-N-D-I, at naturalpetpantry.com or call 425-739-4738 to reserve your spot. It's a free talk, but we would like RSVP so we know how many people to expect. And also, uh, save the date, November 22nd, 300th episode party of this show. Can't wait for that. Hope you can join us there. We'll be back next Wednesday, live from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. <laughs>